days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for for your word and for giving us this story of how you entered into our world to redeem us, to save us, to restore us. It's one of those quaint passages of Scripture that we oftentimes read this, this year. We see them on greeting cards and, and all over the place. But Lord, I just pray that in these moments tonight, we would ponder the true meaning of of what this story means to us. Let us who are kind of lost and, and broken and confused on our own, that you have come into our world to, to help us, to save us. So we ask that you would uh, help us to have open minds and hearts tonight as we, as we think about this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In, in just a few minutes, uh, when our worship team comes back, we're, we're going to sing uh, one of our very favorite Christmas carols. It's O Holy Night. And the, the, the gentleman who wrote that was a French poet named Placide Capot. He wrote it back in the 1800s. And what he was trying to do, his mission, he was commissioned to write this poem 
that was later set to music. Uh, the, the task was, if you were present on that night when Jesus was born, could you describe that in a poem? And so, O Holy Night was what he came up with. It's one of my favorite songs around this time of the year. I love the line in the song that we're, we're going to sing. It's a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks the new and glorious morn. Talking about a, a thrill of, of hope. That just sounds like something that's interesting. The word thrill means something that brings us a feeling of great excitement, feelings of, of happiness. There's, there's a thrill that naturally happens in our young ones this time of the year. When the weather starts to turn uh, in the later fall and, and we move past Halloween and, and past Thanksgiving and, and the decorations and the colors change in the stores all around us, there's just this growing anticipation in our youngest ones and the awe and wonder builds in their eyes and it's just a thrilling season to be part of. I can't wait for Christmas morning. There's hope. There's all sorts of things. It's a thrill for them. Many people seek thrills in, in all sorts of different ways. Um, when we feel down and out, um, or when we feel bored, there's all sorts of things that some can get us into trouble, but there's some things that we just you know, venture off to try and do that to give us a thrill. And the, the, the people who do the thrill-seeking uh, to the extreme, we call them what, adrenaline junkies, right? And these are the people who jump out of airplanes, you know, skydiving. Anybody done that? A couple of you. Awesome. You get cliff jumping uh, or it, a lot of thrill-seeking tends to be jumping off of something really high, right? With like a bungee cord or, or maybe a parachute. I mean, you're really risking your life on something that you know, could break at any moment. But these adrenaline junkies, I can... I can get into this. I was thinking about it this week, and I came up with two new hobbies for myself for 2020. Now, don't tell Lisa we have not discussed these yet, so we'll pretend that she's not in the room, but I wanted to show you, I wanted to show you a picture of my two new hobbies for 2020. The first one is uh, it's called cliff camping. <laughs> <clears throat> I know there's some Boy Scouts in the room. Boy Scouts, yeah? This would be a high adventure. <laughs> so, so that's one, you know, just dangling over there on the side of a cliff. Here's another picture of it. You know, that's a great place to read a book. I think I could find some peace and quiet there. Nothing could go wrong, ever. And this one is my favorite one. What is that connected to? And would you, wouldn't you just sit there and think, I hope that that rock holds, because I got nothing. Well, I think maybe there's a backup line right there on the corner. But, so that's the first one. Anybody, anybody want to join me in cliff camping this coming summer? <laughs> I got a few people. Yes. Yes. All right. And then the, the second one, 
you know, this is, this, this is for like the overnight journeys. You know, if you're going to go away for a couple nights, you could do the camping. Or if you just have an afternoon, you could go sky hammocking. <laughs> so there's a company, I don't know where it is, but they have these tether lines going all the way across, and you climb out there and you connect your hammock, and there you go. So, you know, you can, that guy's got a guitar on the end there, or a little ukulele. That would be a great place to just relax a day away. And, and this one, you know, just, I'm just chilling. Anybody into sky hammocking with me? Yes. <laughs> Some of my family at least is like, no. <laughs> I knew she won't be joining me, and, and I don't know if, I, if I'll be able to do those, but it... <laughs> It certainly, it certainly would be a lot of fun. Uh, cliff camping and sky hammocking. Um, uh, the scoutmaster is probably going to call me after this and say, what are you doing? You're killing me here. Uh, but if you think about it, um, we go off and we do things like this all the time in all sorts of, of different ways. We might not go to that kind of extreme, but oftentimes we find some things that maybe could just stir up more trouble than we're trying to escape in our life. We go off looking for things to, you know, maybe, we, maybe we're going through life and we're just kind of numb to our senses. So much stuff pressing in on the world that we have to do stuff like that just to get the feeling like, like we're alive. And so we get into all sorts of bad behaviors and, and, and we find trouble of all sorts just because we're trying to, to get beyond something. We, we, live, we live in a really weary world. The, the song, O Holy Night, uh, hints at that. There's sin and error pining, in the world and sin and error pining, and, and the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. The author is sensing that there's something palpable, there's something deep, there's this presence that's out, there's something hovering over humanity, and it's pressing us down, and, and we're trying to find something to escape it. I don't think that Mary's journey turned out quite like she expected it to turn out. I imagine when she was, I mean, she was only a teenager uh, when this story took place, so she's young, but I, I, manage, I imagine that her teenage dreams were a little bit different than uh, the circumstances that she found herself in. There was no magical wedding. She didn't get to try on the dress. They didn't have to get to have the perfect cake or the perfect ceremony. In fact, it all just kind of came together because she was pregnant with the Holy One, Jesus. And, and then even the circumstances for the birth of this baby were probably not the kind of accommodations that she was looking for. The journey to the delivery area certainly wasn't what she would imagine, I think. You know, a, a really long journey like that some people think that maybe she was riding a donkey. Can you imagine being full term with only a few hours to go 
bouncing around on a donkey, up and down rocky terrain. Or if, you didn't, if she didn't have a donkey, some people think that she probably had to make this journey entirely on foot. Can you imagine walking that far? It didn't quite turn out how she imagined. But that's sort of a picture of the reality of, of all of our lives. I mean, there's, always, there's certainly places, and you look into your own existence, where it might not be turning out exactly as you would have imagined or drawn up. There's rocky terrain in life. There's twists and there's turns that, that we would never dream of. In fact, there's stuff and turns and corners and things that, that we face that we wouldn't even put in our plan. Like, no, I'm going to actually try and avoid that, but there we are facing that. And as we make our way along the road to Bethlehem, there's lots of things that distract us and slow us down. We're slowed down by the haunting memory of past mistakes, trouble that we've found in the distant past that we're having a really hard time forgiving ourselves for and, and, and moving beyond. We can't focus because our world has been rocked by the disintegration of relationships. Maybe there's family or friends who are estranged from us. Maybe our bodies are just simply ravaged by disease or our friends are going through a really difficult time. Or maybe anxiety is just welling up inside you because you look at your finances and you realize, man, I'm paycheck to paycheck and I don't know if my paycheck's going to take me through this whole next month and I don't know where everything's going to come from. Maybe you're depressed because you just look at your life and wonder, is this all there is? As we go towards Bethlehem, these are the sorts of things that we face along the way, and it's this weariness, this heaviness that just presses in. And I'm really not trying to put a damper on the whole merry and bright season, just trying to give us a picture that I think is many of our own realities, and we get to a a moment like this, and we wonder, well, how, do I, how do I deal with this? What, what help is there for me? We're, we're gathered in this place, and, and we've come here longing for something. Something drew you into this place. And I pray that it's this journey to Bethlehem as we seek the infant, as we seek this Jesus person together. There's enough going on in our lives that, that just weigh us down. And the question is, when we feel weighted down, what thrill, what thrill are you going to seek to lift your spirits out of the weariness that you feel? One of the questions that I speak out loud in our household with my kids all the time. In fact, when they bury me and they have a memorial service, I'm guaranteed that this is one of the quotes. Dad, remember when Dad used to say, is that a good idea or a bad idea? <laughs> and when we ask the question, what thrill are you going to seek when you just feel the weight of your life, when you feel the weight of everything going on out in society, when you look out and you see injustice and you, and you see oppression and you see division and you see hate and you see all of those things, when that weighs you down, what thrill are you going to seek? And I would ask, is it one that is a good idea? 
Is it healthy? Is it uplifting? Does it speak life into you? Does it breathe life into your soul? Or is it something that maybe is in the bad idea category? Things that only last for a moment, things that will perish and go away, things that maybe might get you into a whole lot more trouble than, and more weight than you're already sensing. See, most of the thrills of the world that we seek, they only last for a moment, and then, poof, they're gone. And then we're left to find another one, and we just keep ratcheting it up. We desperately long for hope. We hunger for hope. We search for it. We, we, we grasp for it. We hope for a brighter day. We, we long for a better tomorrow. And might I suggest that maybe we commit to chasing after the thrill of hope. The author of O Holy Night points us towards because the good news of this day is that the thrill of hope is a person. The thrill of hope is Jesus Christ. See, at the, at the end of that long road to Bethlehem, we are told that we, we find a baby whose name is Jesus, the one who is the eternal gift, the, the little one born to a, a young teenage teenager named Mary that who she laid in the manger, wrapped in these swaddling clothes. He, he's God's answer to all our weariness, to all our heaviness, to all our sin, to all our brokenness. He is our hope, the one to make our weary world rejoice. See, the underlying message in all of the Bible, you may have read the Bible cover to cover you may have read a verse or two in the Bible. You may have never opened the Bible. Well, let me just give you the cliff note version. The underlying message of Scripture is this, that God continually reaches out to us to extend us grace and to restore us to re full relationship with Him. It's really a simple message we humans, us people, we've fallen into sin. We're, we're broken. And our sin and our brokenness will lead us straight down the path to ruin and destruction. And the evidence is when we try and go about life on our own and we come up short and we have that question, is this all there is to life? That's a hint at our sin and our brokenness that's just deep inside of us. God has an answer for that. Because God, through Jesus Christ, acts with costly grace to restore everything that has been broken. All we need to do is to call in His name and to confess and to repent and to turn to Him, and He will forgive us. His grace is already there for us to step into, and He will restore us, and He will redeem us. And that is the thrill of hope. I like setting the story of the nativity alongside an ancient passage of, of Scripture. It's in, a, it's in a little book uh, written by Jeremiah called Lamentations. Now, 
little pastoral advice. I, I preached a wedding sermon from the book of Lamentations one time. And um, when I shared with the bride that the verses that I selected for them as a couple came out of the book of Lamentations, she looked at me sideways. And I thought Bridezilla was going to show up that day <laughs> because, Pastor Dave, why are you lamenting our marriage? It hasn't even begun yet. And I said, hang with me, hang with me. Listen to these verses. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Even way back in these ancient words, we hear the refrain from O Holy Night that there's a weary world and it's looking for something to rejoice in. And when they find the thrill of hope that's found in the salvation of God, you can have a lament that turns into something that's more rejoicing because it, it finds its foundation and its rock in the salvation and grace of God. So you can give your weariness you can give your guilt, you can give your shame, you can give your sin to Jesus, and he can take care of that for you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves even all of the parts that you don't think are lovable. And he just asks you to come to him. In our nativity scenes this time of the year, we see the shepherds coming out of the field seeking this one that the angels talk about. A little bit later in, in the story in Matthew, on down the line, wise men from the east, they come, they come from afar, and, and maybe they're the thrill seekers of the world. They've tried everything else that the world has to offer. Let's go see this one that the prophecies have told us about to see if it's actually true. We saw this star in the sky, and it sort of matches up to some of our astrology. Let's, let's go check it out. Let's go on a road trip. And so they find their way, and, and they meet this Jesus person. And they go away, they, they get there, and they, they bow down, and they worship him, and they offer him gifts, and they leave in that spirit of, of worship. You see, when, when we find what we have been longing for, when... when we sense that the heaviness of our life and our sin has been taken away by Jesus. There's a, there's a change in our demeanor. There's a, a bounce in our step. There's a brightness in our eyes. There's a psalm, as, as a congregation, we've been going through psalms um, during, during the Advent and Christmas season, and the one that lands on, on Christmas Eve goes like this. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. See, this, this psalm is one of rejoicing. This song is, is one that's celebrating all of the wonderful things that God has done. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. 
Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are His in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. And this is one of my favorite verses in this passage. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. We may get to this moment and... You may have heard a message like that, and I don't know, maybe, maybe for some of you it just, it sounds too good to be true. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. It sounds good, but I don't know. All I know to do, only thing that I know how to do is, is to point you in the direction of Bethlehem, to point you in the direction of the manger where you will find this person named Jesus, to point you to this place where the truth is found and where our ultimate hope resides, and tell you simply that God loves you. There's a lot of things in this world that would suggest we're not worthy, that we're not loved. But underneath all of that, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you, and He loves you enough to enter the mess of this world. He loves you enough to enter the mess of your life. And I get to this point of the Christmas Eve message every year, and, and I kind of say the same thing. Uh, oftentimes I get asked the question, do you really believe all this? Do you, do you really believe it? And the answer, answer is absolutely 100% yes. I've sort of staked my whole life on it. And I've seen how the gospel has transformed my own life. I know the places that were broken that are broken. I know the places where God is working in my life. I have experienced His forgiveness for all sorts of things and His grace that's come in and washed over my own soul. And I have my own story as testimony to this. So yes, I absolutely believe it. See, when Jesus walked the earth, He practices His ministry, healed people, forgave people's sins, hung out with all the, the sinners. People questioned him about his, his ministry. What, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? How are you doing this? What's it all about? You know what his answer was? Come and see. Come, come and see. And that's, that's really the invitation of Christmas, right? 
the shepherds were out in the field and the angels gave them an announcement, which was, come and see. See what God is doing in this world. He's been promising this for ages, and Jesus is here. Come and see. The wise men had signs and prophecies and the star in the sky that beckoned them, come and see. We show up in, in this place and the invitation hasn't changed in all of these years. When we're looking for something for our weary souls, Jesus says, come and see. I have something for you. All you need to do is respond. See, the baby that we celebrate at Christmas is the perfect image of God's love and grace for you, for us, for all of humanity. And the sign for us that He is willing to come to us in humility to make a sacrifice that, that we might be forgiven. So I would just ask, do you want to meet this person? Do you want to come and see? I'd love to introduce him to you. See, my prayer is that you would approach the manger and that you would find him. Whatever is that is depressing your soul, whatever weariness that you are carrying around and sensing, my prayer is that you would find this Jesus person, that you would find this thrill of hope so that your weary soul can rejoice. People of God said, amen, amen.